The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Why would you abandon all your plans? You've been cleared of all charges. You know, for someone who kills off all his characters, you have a strange, stubborn streak of optimism in you. But no, I can't run for governor in two years. I can't run for president in six. That dream is done. There's got to be something we can do. You're innocent. I'm too innocent. There are people out there. I realize it now. People who control what goes on in the city and beyond. I wouldn't play ball, so they took me out the game. It's been decided. This is as far as I get. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. You know, in many ways, Donald Trump was told that this is as far as you get. When he was forced to step down from an office, he had rightly won. The reality of that situation is what has driven all of the major political developments of the past two years, from the COVID and vaccination scams to the outrageous nuclear weapons threats now emanating from Joe Biden. But the reality is that Donald Trump just keeps going and never lets anybody tell him that, quote-unquote, this is as far as you get. This is our last broadcast before the November 8th American midterms, so, in the interest of interfering with the American election, as a Canadian, my fellow Americans vote only for what is right. Because the desperation of the left is palpable, and when a death cult turns desperate, watch out. And our election watch begins right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. This is perhaps the most dystopian election event in America's history, the most Fascinating thing for me being the meltdown and desperation of the left, which they themselves are drawing attention to. And this is great because it's politically repulsive. It drives people in the right direction. Many news and current affairs commentators have expressed their view that no matter who wins, the other side will not accept the results. Well, that's an interesting proposition because if so, then there will have been a paradigm shift on the part of the right, which has ever faithfully and loyally accepted election results, even when known to be stolen. We already know how the left responds to unacceptable electoral defeat, violence and coercion, and terrorist fear tactics. And that's exactly how those on the left are hoping the right will react when faced with another stolen election. But get a load of who's talking stolen elections none other than Hillary Clinton herself. So let's kick off today's show with that bit of hypocrisy, shall we? The following audio bite has been taken from Viva Fry's October 25th live stream, but the first voice you'll be hearing is that of 
Hillary Clinton. And along the way, Viva, a.k.a. David Freiheit, injects his own insights and commentary. Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that <laughs> is keeping me up at night. And I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. I know we're all focused on the 2022 Indivisibles. And they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead. Because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. <laughs> and they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college. By the courts. But by state legislatures, many of them Republican controlled. But there's also good news in the face of this very real threat to democracy. Let's hear it. Indivisible has launched Crush the Coup to make Crush sure we're ready to the defend coup. democracy in 2024. They've put together a list of critical races in six key states. You could say they have now a theory about critical involved. races. <laughs> Will you support Crush the Coup by donating Crush indivisible the coup. state legislature candidates? Each of these races is highly competitive, and your dollars could very well decide the winners and the winner of the next presidential election. This could not be more important or more urgent. Crush the coup. Crush the coup. Let me just take these headphones off. Oh my goodness. I can still hear. Oh, let's do this like this. Let's do it like this. Okay. Crush the coup. Um, nothing, nothing intimidating about that. Nothing. Ah, forget this. Put them over here. Nothing potentially you know, able to be misunderstood in that. You know, when, when, when Trump says protest peacefully, that's a call to violence. When Hillary Clinton comes up and calls on her indivisibles, you crush the coup, I will crush it. Totally, totally normal. Um, and by the way, I, I was told, I, I, I would love to see if YouTube takes issue with this introductory video. With this video of Hillary Clinton coming out and saying how, did she call them Republican extremists? Are literally trying to steal the 2024 election. And how are they doing it, by the way? Through the state legislature. Hmm. Hmm. That kind of sounds like, um, what do we say here on this channel? Oh. Politics ruins everything is one thing we say on this channel. Uh... Confession through projection is another thing we say on this channel. She said Republican extremists, right? Okay. And by the way, I, I think she also said that in the context of refer referring to the SCOTUS. Don't crush the coup. You indivisibles, you must find the coup and you must crush it.
It's um, confession through projection. But more important than that, egregious, egregious hypocrisy. And I know some of you out there say, and I think you might be right, it's not hypocrisy, Viva. It's hierarchy. We get to do things that other people don't get to do. We get to do things. We, the political privileged elite, you want to talk about privilege, I'll, 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 I'll throw this out there. The real privilege in this world is not white privilege. It's political privilege. It's political, economic, financial privilege. But more political privilege, because that tends to be the, the precursor to all the other forms of privilege out there. It's not, it's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy of the privileged political class. Anybody who says exactly what was said in that Time article magazine about how a secret cabal of powerful, well-funded people controlled information, changed the rules uh, to fortify the election, anybody who says that, but in a non-flattering tone, election deniers worthy of cancellation. <laughs> but come out and say, literally, they're going to steal the election when, just out of curiosity, if they're anticipating in advance that 2024 is an election that can be stolen, how do they prevent and prohibit in the past from suggesting that there may have been historical interference in prior elections? How then? Well, that which is the safest election of all time should remain the safest election of all time. It's not the first time Hillary Clinton has come out as being an election denier. We know, we know this. It's not the first time Hillary would be guilty of election denial. She's got a history of election denial, more of a history than many of the other people who questioned other elections. Ah, uh, good old, good old internet is forever. Cancel. Hillary Clinton in 2002, George W. Bush was selected, not elected. It's a completely it is completely irresponsible to argue that a president who reaches 270 electoral votes is not elected and legitimate, right, Hillary Clinton? Only a shameless partisan with no concern for democracy or our system of government would insist that presidents would insist that president is not elected long after he's taken the oath of office. Trump is insanely responsible to suggest that this election may be rigged and the outcome fraudulent. Why, who on earth would ever make such a claim? Hillary Clinton in October 2002. The president was selected, not elected. Then in 2020, it becomes verboten to even suggest that drop boxes, mail-in ballots, absentee voting, maybe, maybe might have had an influence. And then Hillary Clinton comes out. And what? Indivisibles? I mean, it, it, it all seems like absolute cultish brainwashing. Good afternoon, Indivisibles. The Republicans are getting ready to steal the election. You must crush the coup. Crush it! I mean, it's like, it's Zoolander-level indoctrination. Hypocrisy, double standards, hierarchy, whatever. It's par for the course. But it's not because the GOP or Republicans or conservatives don't engage in finding creative ways to justify what we want to justify for our adversaries. It's not that 
the same exercise is not used on both sides. It's an exercise of those who have difficulty being intellectually consistent. The indivisibles. Now there's a collectivist term, if ever there was one. But notice that the first words Hillary Clinton uses to describe, quote-unquote, the enemy, is the phrase right-wing extremists, which, as I repeatedly remind everyone, is not a label to be dismissed, but to be defined. Why do you suppose we begin every broadcast of this show with not right-wing, just right? Because the right-wing, as it is defined by the left and accepted by liberals and conservatives alike, is the right-wing of the left. The left arbitrarily placed fascism on the right side of an imaginary political spectrum that exists only on the left, with no room for freedom anywhere on that spectrum and has been able to use that single false definition as one of the most effective weapons against the right that was ever invented. And the dumbest argument to come out of this contradiction is the one that goes along the lines of, well, left and right aren't useful labels anymore, even as they cower from every accusation of being called right-wing. Not useful? Are you kidding? It's the nuke that blows the right away each time. The very people who are immobilized by the mere suggestion of being labeled right-wing are the ones declaring political labels to be useless. And yes, the wrong labels are useless because even in rejecting those labels, it's acknowledged that they're both the same thing. When the left labels its opposition as Nazis, this is again pure projection because, of course, Nazism is strictly a leftist phenomenon, self-declared as such and demonstrated both in theory and in practice to be on the left. Again, I appeal to those who see themselves on the right to embrace that label for what it truly represents, individual freedom. Reject any notion of fascism being associated with anything right because it simply isn't so. And remember, without a label, you have no identity, especially in the field of politics where everything is identified according to labels. And then there's a destructive argument against what is called political polarization. But the polarization of ideas is the whole point of politics in order to enable us to distinguish one choice from the other. As Ayn Rand warned, those who oppose polarization are in fact really opposed to disagreement and are proclaiming that disagreement is unacceptable. And you know what? <laughs> I disagree with that. And for that matter, why does the left always get to accuse the right of polarization when it takes two to tango? It takes two to polarize. Why isn't it the left that's guilty of polarizing the debate? They get away with everything. But here's why. The left represents tyranny. The right represents freedom. And therein lays the true polarity. And the truth that the left never wants to see revealed in its fog of indistinguishable labels. The failure to polarize the issues will result in a failure to distinguish not only left and right, but between good and evil and life and death. So the next time someone labels you a right-wing extremist, just say thank you very much and move on. And as we move on, I have to confess I was a bit surprised to hear about a Trump-DeSantis split of some sort. I really don't understand it yet, and I don't know how this will affect the political scene down the line. But here's Alex Jones in conversation with Roger Stone on that very topic and more. 
former chief political advisor to Donald Trump. Roger Stone joins us to cover the waterfront. Roger, exciting times. Uh, it really is, Alex. Look, I want to be as clear as I possibly can. I'm strongly supporting Ron DeSantis for re-election. In fact, I've already voted, and I voted for him. But uh, everybody here in Florida was shocked in the debate between he and Charlie Crist uh, earlier uh, this week uh, when Crist put the question to him, Governor, will you pledge to serve all four years if reelected, or are you going to abandon Florida to run for president? And Ron, Ron, you talk about Joe Biden a lot. I understand you think you're going to be running against him. I can see how you might get confused, but you're running for governor. You're running for governor. And I have a question for you. You're running for governor. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four year term as governor. Yes or no? Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four year term if you're reelected governor of Florida? It's not a tough question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. So you made a big deal of this, Roger. You've been saying this for the last year. Roger Stone warns DeSantis it would be treachery to run against Trump. You've recently said that again. Uh, look, people are allowed to vote for who they want, but even national polls still show Trump getting a much bigger uh, percentage than DeSantis. I want whoever is a good candidate that will defeat the Democrat machine. Where do you see this going? Uh, Alex, I had to go to DEFCON 4. I had no choice uh, because of the history here. Many people who aren't Floridians may not know that uh, Ron DeSantis was a relatively unknown congressman, uh, a member of the Freedom Caucus, uh, but the Republican establishment here in Florida, every Republican county chairman, every Republican state legislator in the state house and the state senate every member of the republican congressional delegation with the exception of my friend matt gates had all endorsed adam putnam uh the rhino establishment who was very far ahead in the polls it was only a tweeted donald trump endorsement that catapulted desantis out of obscurity to the republican nomination uh, and then Trump came here in the final two weeks of that campaign season and literally dragged Ron DeSantis over the finish line by a mere 34,000 votes. Uh, but now I think it's an open secret among the Republican establishment in Florida that Ron DeSantis is going to challenge the champ. Uh, look, here's what I don't want, Alex. I don't want a split in the MAGA majority within our party. Robert Barnes is a smart guy. I respect him. He's right probably 95% of the time. He, you know, did some work for Trump during the 2020 campaign exposing election fraud. He says he's talked to lawyers that were in the room over a year ago uh, when DeSantis and Trump were meeting and that the agreement was made uh, that either DeSantis wasn't going to run or he'd run as Trump's VP. And, and, and I said, really, Barnes, you really talked to lawyers that were in the room that said that? And he said, yes. Do you think he's being fed a line of bull or do you think he's right? Yeah, I think that is categorically false. Now, I like Robert. I think he's a good guy. He would never intentionally lie. But somebody is giving him uh, a, a, a false narrative. The reason that I wanted to bring this up on the show today is many, many, many of the people who like both men, 
uh, just don't believe that this is what the governor is going to do. But uh, I'm just telling you, uh, the plan for him to move forward with an all-out candidacy was revealed in this debate. That was a great clip. Uh, what, what do you imagine Trump's thinking about Ron DeSantis right now? Well, last night on Instagram, he put up a uh, promotion for this rally in Miami on Sunday, November 6th. Uh, and he specifically said he was campaigning for Rubio and only Rubio. I think that kind of made the point. Um, he also uh, put up a picture of Ron DeSantis sitting alone, kind of like Forrest Gump. So, uh, look, Trump is very clever. I think that he is sending a message. I, I think, in all honesty, he's very, very disappointed. I mean, he really doesn't understand this. He has always been there for Ron DeSantis. Uh, for a long time, uh, President Trump just didn't want to believe this. People kept telling him that DeSantis is running around organizing a presidential campaign. He just didn't want to believe it. Uh, they had a warm relationship. My real fear here is that the is that the America first majority within our party is going to get divided and that that allows an establishment Republican to walk away with this nomination and retake uh, the party of Lincoln, the party of Goldwater, the party of Reagan and the party of Trump. The efforts of the Democrats to shift all focus to this attack on Paul Pelosi in his home, claiming that this is an example of the violence uh, among uh, MAGA Republicans, uh, really shows you how incredibly desperate they are. Uh, and uh, this new uh, this new effort effort to re uh, reinvent the narrative regarding this attack on the Speaker's husband. This shows you rank desperation. Uh, the numbers are sliding very fast on the Democrats. Uh, the Senate now appears to be uh, uh, within reach. Herschel Walker, who many had written off for dead, now leading in his race. Um, if you saw that debate, it was epic. Roger, I'm glad you raised the situation with Pelosi's husband and how they're now trying to connect it to QAnon or, or, or something. I agree with you that the evidence shows they're looking at a political bloodbath with 10 days left. What rabbits could they pull from their hat? Well, you can see the way they're trying to reinvent this particular uh, event. Uh, and if this is what they're running on, they're going to lose. The American people are focused on gasoline prices. They're focused on food shortages. They're focused on the epic inflation that's destroying the buying power uh, of the dollar for working families across the country. They can't understand why we're shipping billions of dollars to the Ukraine, walking us to up to the brink of, uh, of uh, World War III when we can't spend millions of dollars just to seal our southern border in order to end the crime and drug epidemic uh, in America. I had dinner the other night with a very prominent former uh, Democrat U.S. Senator uh, who served on the Foreign Affairs Committee when he was in the Senate. Uh, and although he is a loyal Democrat, he pointed out to me that we signed a treaty in 1994 with the Russians 
in which we absolutely guaranteed and agreed that we would not have Ukraine join NATO. In other words, we would not put NATO missiles, Western missiles funded by the United States, pointed at Russia on the ground in NATO, and that we are now violating that agreement. If you simply go out and say that, as I have, as you have, Alex, as Tucker Carlson has done and others, we get attacked as Putin puppets, which is absurd because in my case, I had members of my family mowed down by Russian tanks in Budapest in 1956. I have no illusions. Well, absolutely, about- and, and, and nobody's buying that. So, so what is your, now 10 days out, what is your quick snapshot, current prediction, the way things are going now, what happens in 10 days? I think we're going to take control of the House. The Senate is really, really close. We're either going to win or lose by a one or two seat uh, majority. Uh, but the, our greatest enemy here, Alex, is overconfidence. Uh, our, our greatest enemy is believing that there's a red wave in the bag and therefore I don't need to worry too much about it. Uh, they will cheat. Um, I am uh, uh, a proponent of voting on Election Day. They're desperate to try to make this an issue to distract from gas prices, food shortages, inflation. Absolutely. Uh, And by the way, Alex, that's my greatest concern. What if they decide to push the nuclear trigger between now uh, and November? What if they are willing to go to a to a devastating world war in order to try to rally people behind the commander in chief? They are not above that, sadly. This is my greatest single fear. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And yes, we actually live in an age where we have to worry about an American president who has already utterly lost his mind, but who could also lose the nation, while it was focused on the distraction of things like the Paul Pelosi attack. Now, whether it's a distraction or not, I have to share with you the following article I found quite accidentally on the website of the Los Angeles Times. And when I read it, Consider that this article is not about what it purports to be, namely a report on the Paul Pelosi attack, quote-unquote, but it is a deeply psychological confession by the left as well as being a projection of its own actions and values onto others who simply do not share them. Now, this article was written by four people who I'll mention at the end, but the headline reads, Accused Pelosi attacker David DePape spread QAnon, other far-right bigoted conspiracies. And I quote, and I'll be interrupting this along the way as I go because it's, it's just too much to bear to get through. In a personal blog that DePape maintained, posts include such topics as manipulation of history, hollow hoax, and it's okay to be white. He mentioned 4chan, a favorite message board of the far right. He posted videos about conspiracies involving COVID-19 vaccines and the war in Ukraine being a ploy for Jewish people to buy land. (laughs) Well, first, I want to say, what's wrong with mentioning any of these topics? I don't know what the problem is. We already know that history is constantly being manipulated, even as this very article is manipulating current events. We know it's okay to be white. And we also know that by citing this, the writers of this article disagree with that premise. And of course, there is no such thing as the far right, especially since articles like this never once define the term. 
It continues. The Pape's screeds included posts about QAnon, an unfounded theory that former President Trump is at war with a cabal of Satan worship elites who run a child sex ring and control the world. <laughs> now, I recall when Trump himself was confronted with that charge while he was still president, and he responded, And what's wrong with that? <laughs> In an August 23rd entry titled Q, De Pape wrote, Either Q is Trump himself or Q is the deep state moles within Trump's inner circle. In the months before police accused him of attacking House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, David De Pape had been drifting further into the world of far-right conspiracies, anti-Semitism, and hate, according to a Times review on his online accounts. You notice that phrase always drifting further as if to imply the person is not in control of the direction he's choosing, right? Oh man, if you choose that side, you just drifted there. You could not possibly rationalize your way there. De Pape's daughter, Inti Gonzalez, told the Times that her father wrote the blog. She said that she and her mother were reeling from the news that De Pape had been arrested in connection with the attack on Paul Pelosi. I'm a little shocked, she said. But not really that shocked, in all honesty. <laughs> Authorities have not revealed a motive for the attack at the Pelosi home in San Francisco early Friday, but law enforcement sources said the assailant shouted, Where is Nancy? Where is Nancy? before confronting Paul Pelosi, and San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott called the attack, quote-unquote, intentional. Several lawmakers have blamed hyper-partisanship and divisive political rhetoric for an increase in political violence and security incidents in recent years, especially following the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> you know, hyper-partisanship and divisive political rhetoric has been with us since the dawn of humanity. But polarized positions, that's a good thing because... You need polarization. Polarized positions are the difference between a yes and a no, and certainly the difference between freedom and tyranny. Don't ever forget that. The article continues. Scott said after a 911 call to the Pelosi residence, officers found a man later defined as De Pape and Paul Pelosi both holding a hammer. The intruder pulled the hammer from the 82-year-old Pelosi and then began striking him, Scott said. Officers tackled the suspect, disarmed him, and took him into custody. De Pape, 42, was taken to a hospital and later booked on suspicion of attempted homicide, assault with a deadly weapon, elder abuse, burglary, and destroying a cell phone to prevent someone from seeking help, authorities said. Paul Pelosi underwent surgery Friday after the attack. Drew Hamill, a spokesman for Nancy Pelosi's office, said in a statement that Pelosi suffered a skull fracture and serious injuries to his right arm and hands. His doctors expect a full recovery, the statement said. Now get this. De Pape followed a number of conservative creators online, including Tim Poole, Glenn Beck, Daily Wire, and the Epoch Times. He also followed an account on YouTube called Black Pilled and reposted several of its videos on his blog. Black pilling, quote-unquote, is internet slang for someone coming to believe supposedly unacceptable facts about society, and the reposted videos include accusations such as the FBI covering up child rape. Now, I have to say, this is unbelievably condescending. Moreover, it identifies the conservative creators that the writers of this article are opposed to. That's why they mention them. It continues. 
Three of DePape's relatives, including his father, declined to be interviewed for this article. They said they haven't been in contact with DePape for years and that he's not in contact with his family. DePape grew up in British Columbia and moved to California more than 20 years ago, one of them said. DePape was mentioned in a 2013 San Francisco Chronicle article and was described as a father figure to Gypsy Taub, a nudist who lived in a three-bedroom Victorian apartment in Berkeley with her then-fiancé and her three children. DePape, who was a hemp jewelry maker, was the best man in Taub's wedding. <laughs> this is becoming downright comedic, and what relevance is this to anything? In another, he called equity a leftist dog whistle for the systemic oppression of white people and diversity a dog whistle for the genocide of the white race. In others, he posted separate videos questioning the Holocaust and alleging Jewish bankers were responsible for Hitler's rise to power. Now, talk about a mismatch of issues and false associations. But certainly equity as cited by the authors, is a form of racism, unlike equality before and under the law, and diversity when applied to a racial goal is just pure racism. And far-right conspiracy theories, according to news reports, a spokesperson for WordPress.com, which is owned by Automatic, confirmed that the Pape's blog was taken down on Friday for violating our terms of service. You know, the only time I hear of sites removed for this reason is because they're telling some truth the censors want to hide. The Pape also shared intimate emails and texts with family members, peppering them with xenophobic ideas and conspiracy theories. Even non-political posts, such as one about a visit to a movie theater to watch Black Adam, were laden with conspiracy theories and ideas about racial tension. The critics are effing commie gatekeepers, reads a post written two days before the attack on Pelosi. In it, he writes he enjoyed the superhero movie. Fantastic performance by Mr. The Rock. He carried the movie. But the writing quickly jumped to a conspiracy that the movie plot is not about the comic superhero Black Adam, but an effort to push hate against white people. The real plot of this story was to kill all white people, DePape wrote. Black Adams was just a plot device for Hollywood to push their white hate narrative. Days after Kanye West's Twitter and Instagram accounts were blocked due to anti-Semitic remarks, DePape created a subsection of his personal blog dedicated to posts about Jewish people. He attempted to debunk the Holocaust and repeated anti-Semitic sentiments in nearly 20 posts over a 10-day period. He also posted personal conversations with his daughter. Their chats sometimes were about simple moments, including whistling back at birds, while others were darker, angry moments among the Pape, Gonzalez, and her mother. Gonzalez said she was aware her father posted some of the text conversations on the blog, but said she hadn't paid very close attention to the rest of it. I knew he was posting things like that, but I didn't know he posted all the stuff that I sent him, she said. But I don't really care. She'd been in contact with her father, she said, but said her family did not want to discuss it at the moment. The Pape posted videos to Facebook by my pillow chief executive Mike Lindell saying that the 2020 presidential election was stolen, according to reports. <laughs> he wasn't just saying it, which is how the left justifies everything, eh? But they project it. Oh, he just said it. No, he was illustrating it with evidence. He also linked to sites with claims about the deadliness of COVID vaccines. Yeah, claims, quote-unquote, like citing official statistics and playing thousands of personal accounts attesting to the deadliness of the vaccines, which aren't vaccines. 
See how the left again projects its own tactic of saying that someone is merely quote-unquote claiming something to be so without any examples or evidence. That's what they do all the time. The death rates being promoted are whatever they want to be promoted as a death rate, one post read. Well, yeah, of course. He's referring to the official denials of doctor deaths and the deaths and injuries of the vaccinated, which we discussed in precise and factual detail, I think it was just last week. The Poppy's Facebook page appeared to be no longer accessible Friday. Facebook's parent, Meta, didn't immediately respond to a request for information. Again, proving that what was being censored was the truth, which is the only thing that is ever censored, ever. Time staff writers Noah Goldberg, Richard Winton, Alexandra E. Petri, and Gregory Yee contributed to this report, end quote. And right under is a little note, Life is Stressful, our weekly mental wellness newsletter can help. <laughs> How apropos. I have to say, truly, that this article is a masterpiece of pure fake news excrement. It took four people just to contribute to it. I wonder how many of them actually had a hand in writing it. Imagine a group of people so utterly obsessed with race and skin color, as is the left, even being concerned with a supposed right-winger who, as described by them, is exactly like them. It's projection again, and it's all so boring. However, it was a masterpiece of false associations and irrelevancies. There were no pertinent facts about anything resembling some kind of purported threat for an increase in political violence and security incidents. This is pure propaganda. Several lawmakers have blamed hyperpartisanship and divisive political rhetoric for an increase in political violence and security incidents in recent years, especially following the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, it says. Well, that's pure projection. The political violence has all been on the left or by police authorities themselves. And also, there was no quote-unquote attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. That is pure fiction. The reality can be seen on thousands of websites and social media sites, witnessed by thousands of individual cameras and recordings. What else do you need? Now, I wanted you to hear that official version of the great Pelosi pandemonium panic before hearing, on the return side of our upcoming bumper, the October 30th Bowen Report by yet another new voice to our show, John Bowen. He, too, has a perspective on this media-contrived Pelosi event. But first, on this side of the bumper, none other than a key voice associated with the Q phenomenon from the X-22 report of October 26. See if anything he says here lines up with the Los Angeles Times description of QAnon, other far-right bigoted conspiracies. Now, we can see that the elections are not going well for the deep state players. Their candidates either don't want to debate, or if they do debate, it's a complete and utter disaster. Look what happened with Dr. Oz and Fetterman. That was a complete and utter disaster. Fetterman was a disaster. Oz won that debate easily. But really think about this. Think about all the candidates that don't want to debate. Think about all the candidates that are debating, but now it's a complete and utter mess. Think about early voting. Think about all the people that voted early out in Pennsylvania. We'll use this as an example. They voted early out in Pennsylvania, and all of a sudden, two weeks later, three weeks later, they see this debate, and they voted for Fetterman. Let's say they voted for Fetterman, and... Now they're seeing the debate and they say, holy crap, I made a mistake. 
because now I'm seeing it live. It's a complete and utter disaster. Why did I early vote? See, this is why early voting is a problem because sometimes you don't really get to see the candidate. Sometimes the candidate is protected. Sometimes they manipulate what the candidate says and they edit it just like they edited this entire debate. But when people saw it live, people said, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. And think about all the people that do not debate, that run away from the reporters that don't answer questions. For example, Katie Hobbs. Kerry Lake has been out there answering all different questions. Katie Hobbs can't come up with an answer. You see, this is why early voting doesn't work. Now, what's very interesting is Trump also brings up what's happening with the New York Attorney General. He put this out on Truth, and he's referring to the townhall.com article and says, run away. Is New York Dem AG scared of GOP opponent? She refuses to debate him. We have another Democrat scared to debate a Republican. Why? Because what has she been doing this entire time? Her entire time was going after, you know, spent going after Trump. She didn't spend time going after criminals, prosecuting criminals and keeping the streets safe on New York. This is why she doesn't want to debate. And we can see exactly what's going on here. Matt Walsh put this out on Twitter, said the following. The Democrats have settled on their closing argument. Vote for us so that we can castrate children. Use your money to pay for abortions and put pornography in the schools. If you don't vote for us, then you are a Nazi and democracy will die. And he's absolutely right. This is what people are seeing. If you don't do what we say, then you're a Nazi, you're a white supremacist, and you're going against the democracy that we set up. Remember, this is not a democracy. It's a republic. And remember, their democracy is their system that they have been setting up. When you say the pledge, it's not to, to, the, to the democracy, it's to the republic. So the democracy is their system, their criminal syndicate system that they've been setting up for a very long time. And they don't want to see that destroyed. Remember, going back from the very beginning, this was not about a four-year election. This was about destroying their system, the system that they keep talking about. Now, the other thing that's very interesting with, in regards to election fraud Pennsylvania right now, since we're talking about what happened with Fetterman and Dr. Oz and these debates, Pennsylvania Democrat officials, they sent out 255,000 ballots to people that could not verify either by their social security or driver's license number. The ballots should have never been sent out to these voters. 15 Republican state representatives sent a letter to acting secretary of Commonwealth Lay Chapman after they discovered that over 255,000 illicit ballots were sent out in the state prior to the 2022 midterm election. Are they trying to cheat? It's starting to seem that way. But we could see that the fake news is out there. We have the corrupt politicians like Hillary Clinton and the rest all talking about voter intimidation. They're talking about, oh, the infrastructure is going to be hit by a far nation or white supremacist or whatever they're calling it. And they want the elections monitored. I think this is their new tactic to try to cheat. And we have MSNBC anchor, Nicole Wallace. She suggested it may be time to ask for friends and allies to come over and help us monitor our elections. Why do we need them to monitor our elections? If the infrastructure is under threat why don't we go to paper ballots and just use paper in 
all the communities, all the counties, all the states, and have the people at the lower level count and have those numbers filtered up and we keep track of the numbers that are brought up so we have a timeline and a count so we can go back and make sure everything is accounted for. This way, foreign actors and everyone else, they can't do anything about it. In the wake of breaking news with little details, it was only a matter of hours before the Democrats' Mockingbird media had begun to politicize and twist the narrative of the attack regarding Paul Pelosi. Story tonight, new warning from law enforcement of a heightened threat to the midterm elections and the safety of elected leaders. Investigators say DePappy had planned to tie up Paul Pelosi and wait for the speaker to return home. Mr. Pelosi was taken to the hospital. Representative Pelosi's office tells us he underwent a successful surgery to repair a skull fracture and serious injuries to his right arm and hands. Tonight's bulletin from the FBI warns of a heightened threat fueled by a rise in domestic violence extremism driven by ideological grievances. Potential targets include candidates running for public office, elected officials, election workers, and others. The FBI warns the threat will continue even after Election Day. Clinging to the far-right January 6th boogeyman myth in order to desperately forward a campaign of stochastic terrorism. We have to understand that, you know, this attack was most likely done because of that rhetoric being being spread. Like that's my prediction is that we're going to find out that this was someone with with very far right motivations and someone who who follows people like Tucker Carlson, like Ben Shapiro, like Matt Walsh. That's my prediction here. I mean, and Tucker Carlson has one of the largest platforms in this country that spreads his white nationalist message to millions and millions of impressionable viewers every day. You know, the right wing wants you to believe that public schools are an indoctrination center for communist theory. I wish they were, but uh, actually people are not learning such things in school as the clock runs out on the 2022 election an outcome which could not only bring a response to the corporatic neo-marxist cancer festering in the american body politic but also result in prosecution for a host of democrats that had avoided scrutiny including the president of the united states the october surprise was imminent it's reports that the same chant was used by this guy they have in custody that was used on January 6th. The chant was, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? This is despicable. There's no place in America. There's too much violence, political violence, too much hatred, too much vitriol. And what makes us think the one party can talk about Stolen elections, COVID being a hoax, there's all a bunch of lies and it not affect people who may not be so well balanced. What makes us think that it's not going to corrode the political climate? The alleged attacker, David DePappy, a Canadian illegal immigrant had spent his time in Berkeley, California, making hemp jewelry and contributing to Bay Area nudist activism at a residence replete with a rainbow flag and a Black Lives Matter sign. 
However, they dared to deny the implausible narrative of 9-11, not exactly the far-right extremist Nazis they would have us believe DePape was a product of. According to KTVU, DePape had supposedly had with him a manifesto that contained anti-government COVID beliefs and a list of other politicians he planned to target. Additionally, the media had immediately derided DePape's online writings detailing COVID vaccine danger, the Great Reset, and the epidemic of pedophile normalization as crazed conspiracy nonsense, just buzzwords to be feared. The problem is people keep egging these people on. There are people on the television across the street from us that egg these people on talking about cabals and stuff and people secretly running the world and uh, this guy doesn't like women either. So um, that's happening right now. And then on top of it, you have political figures. You have the previous president of the United States, you know, posting about QAnon on his social media platforms, um, it, it, which is just about this same cabal that this guy's talking about. So look, uh, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Uh, because it, right now there are people advocating uh, for these conspiracy theories out there. So, of course, people who can't, you know, who don't know this is a game to these politicians are going to take it out on real people. Oddly, DePape hadn't posted anything online for 15 years until reappearing in August of 2022, just months before a forthcoming October surprise. But the real questions, per usual, open up gaping holes in the Pelosi DePape narrative. For instance, how and why does a man wearing underwear carry a manifesto with him? And what about the possible depravity of Pelosi's alcoholic husband? Was DePape there for another reason? Why did Pelosi tell dispatchers DePape was a friend? Harvey stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. Harvey stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. Harvey sounded somewhat confused. Questions that come to mind after others in the California Democratic Party within the circles of the Pelosi's have revealed their true colors. There are at least two counts of providing methamphetamine to a victim that resulted in death. Four additional counts of providing methamphetamine, one count of using his West Los Angeles apartment as a drug lair, and two counts of paying for interstate travel for the purpose of prostitution. All of these are significant charges he's been found guilty in all of them. There are maximum sentencing. It is likely that 66-year-old Ed Buck will spend the rest of his life in a federal prison. Anyone would assume that at the very least, Nancy Pelosi's multi-million dollar home in crime riddled San Francisco would be outfitted with an equally expensive government-funded security system to protect the third in line to the presidency and her expensive ice cream freezer. And why would police allow DePape to continue assaulting Paul Pelosi after they arrived on scene? Furthermore, why was DePape injured? Details that could certainly clear some things up but continue to remain a mystery. Of course, we have been here a thousand times before. The left despises questions because the truth is lurking and there is nothing more frightening for those invested in lies than the emergence of the truth. John Bound reporting. There is a terrible reckoning ahead that simply cannot be avoided or ignored. It is particularly terrible for those on the left and those who supported the COVID climate gender scams, but it's also a burden for those on the right who have been done a grave injustice and upon whom the responsibility of seeking justice and restoring freedom has largely been placed. 
I totally agree with David in his episode of the X-22 report regarding advance or early voting. In my personal experience with the Freedom Party of Ontario, I received many an email or letter from Ontario voters who voted early, not realizing that there was a Freedom Party candidate in their riding until they saw one in action on an all-candidates debate or on a cable cast, long after they voted for the lesser of evils. In Ontario, believe it or not, Advance voting was permitted even before nominations close. And worse, we once had a Freedom Party candidate refused to be placed on the ballot, even though he met every detail and criteria of candidate registration required and filed on time. And yes, a complete record of this is available on Freedom Party's website at freedomparty.on.ca. Advanced voting, mail-in ballots, and a lack of voter registration cards all add up to electoral corruption. But of course, saying so out loud makes us far-right bigoted conspiracy theorists, doesn't it? If there's one glaring reality about the whole stolen election debate, it's the very fact that it's even an issue in the first place. If there was a problem, why not clarify the truth whichever way it may fall? Have a quick recount. Do a check. Simple. Unless, of course, you cheated, destroyed the evidence, stole the election. I don't see any other way of looking at this. And then in the broader picture, I'm reminded of the saying, Great people talk about ideas. Average people talk about events. Small people talk about people. And people who can't deal with ideas deal with them by, of course, shooting the messenger, the people who hold those ideas. And since electoral politics, the electoral part, is mostly about people, for me, I've never really been interested in politics at that level. I mean, to me, one collectivist looks the same as the next. But finding ideas worthy of support in the political arena is a challenging task, but that's the part of politics that I find worth pursuing. And the people who have the right ideas are the people who are great. And in a so-called democracy, where candidates have to appeal to the ignorances of the masses, the steady drift leftward is an inevitability. And in this case, yes, drift is the appropriate term. The fact that so many people are incapable of connecting cause to consequence has been tragically illustrated during this past two years with regard to everything from the COVID vaccines to the political parties that people routinely support. The big challenge for anyone on the right is, how do rational people fight irrational people? I mean, without having to resort to violence. Hillary's indivisibles, irrational to the core, are not going to be persuaded by reason, and therein lies the great danger that could be around the corner. Everything about what we call the left is all about death, destruction, violence. It is a death cult, as we've been saying for years. And it is opposed to morality as such, because morality is all about living, not about dying or depopulating the planet. Violence and coercion are the only means of communication open to the left, which is incapable of persuading others in a manner that complies with informed consent. After all, Who wants to consent to a nihilist ideology, which is all they have? Half a billion people is enough for us, thanks. 
and since most people prefer to live rather than to die, leftist ideology conflicts with this, and therefore, for the left, the eternal solution is, when persuasion fails, just use force. Why do you suppose the left is so opposed to private gun ownership all the time? There is not a single platform, policy, or value of the left that does not resort to the aggressive initiation of force, and that never enshrines the concept of voluntary or consent in any of its ideological irrationalities. Oh, sure, they use the words voluntary and choice, just like they did during their manufactured political pandemic and the manufactured make-believe vaccines. Hey, it's your choice to take the vaccine or not, but we'll have to A, lock you up, B, end your employment, C, prevent you from associating with others if you don't take the vaccine. But hey, it's your choice. And we actually live in an age where the supposed sitting president of the United States on the eve of a major election is openly threatening first-strike nuclear attacks against a nation that poses no threat whatever to the West security. What a difference the 24 months since Trump made, right? But finally, and whether left or right, every political choice is about the use of force. Government is a gun. What kind of actions are morally justifiable with the use of a weapon that's capable of physical injury, harm, or death? Would you use that gun to, you know, set up a, a local school in your, in your neighborhood, for example? Or how about establishing a hospital or health care clinic down at the corner there? Well, that's what governments do, only they use a gun. And they call it an education system or a health care system or Obamacare or whatever. And the truly remarkable thing is that with all the raw force at their disposal, when it comes to providing the presumed services that were used to justify the use of force, they fail miserably whenever compared to their voluntary free market counterparts, which is why those things are constantly banned. Remember, in the history of mankind, more people have been killed at the hands of their own governments than by any foreign threats. That is the nature of tyranny, which sits squarely on the left in all of its manifest forms. Fascism, communism, socialism, environmentalism, racism, you name it, there are an infinite number of collectivist notions. But like reality, and like truth itself, there is only one legitimate and real concept of freedom, and that is individual freedom. The only kind that exists, and freedom sits exclusively and alone on the right. As to the upcoming midterms, I predict a red wave. It was the same prediction we made prior to the previous presidential election, and we were correct. But we also predicted that the Democrats would cheat because, well, they said they would. And as you heard earlier, they even bragged about it in Time magazine. And they're still telling us they plan to cheat in so many subtle and not-so-subtle ways crushed the coup. <laughs> the fact that Hillary herself is even expecting a coup is all the confirmation you need regarding an expected red wave. So, it'll be interesting to see if the results of this midterm election mirror those of the previous stolen one. Either way, let's all hope we survive the fallout, whatever form it may take, so that we can get together again next week when you are invited to join us on our continuous journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Thank you.
it into color and color it to black and white under the bedclothes everything will be alright well Frankly, I think anyone who doesn't vote for a stronger gun control law ought to be shot. <laughs>